So this morning, we are going to continue in our series in Genesis, which we call it In the Beginning, because it's a look at the first 11 chapters of Genesis. And we're looking at how, what the Bible tells us about how everything got started. How God, what God created, which was everything, why God created it, his intention for it, and then now why it is the way that it is. A few weeks ago, we looked in Genesis 3, and we saw a big reason why it is the way that it is when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, thus entering, bringing in sin into humanity. Then last week, we saw how this sin was passed down to their children when we saw their sons, Cain and Abel, and we saw Cain in his anger kill his brother Abel. And we saw Cain kill his brother Abel partly because he ignored God's warning that sin is crouching at the door waiting for you. And it was a good reminder for every one of us how sin is waiting for all of us in every moment of every day when we disobey God. And as God said, it's contrary to us. It's against us. It only brings death and destruction. So I want to encourage you, if you were not here, and if you had not listened to it or watched it, to get on the podcast, to watch the video, to take the time, because far too many of us, if not all of us, are not scared enough of the sin in our hearts. We're not scared enough. We're not aware enough of it. And because of that, our sin has a field day with us. And so I encourage you to watch and be encouraged and challenged by God's word. Now, today we're going to stay with Cain and Abel. But we're not going to just focus on the sin uh, that is waiting for us. We're going to focus on the differences between Cain and his brother Abel. And we should want to learn the differences between these two brothers because it is a true statement that every single one of us Watching this message at home or here is a Cain or an Abel. We're one or the other, every single one of us. And since one of these brothers was rejected by God and one of these brothers was accepted by God, we should have a desire to find out which one we are. And that's what I'm praying this morning. Through this message, you will see if in your life you're walking as Cain or you're walking as Abel, and if you're walking as Abel, you would encourage and rejoice in the grace of the Lord. But if you're walking as Cain, that you would repent and find the freedom that God has for you walking as Abel. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. And I'll explain what I mean as we go. But before I get to the difference between Cain and Abel, I want to talk about how they're the same. I want to talk about how they're the same. They're the same in the fact that they both approached God. But they're also the same because they know that you can't just approach God as you are. They knew they couldn't just go to God, that they had to bring an offering. They had to bring something to God to be accepted by God. That they were not enough on their own. Now, why did they do this? Now, some will say, well, they did this because they were primitive people. They were cave people, and they believed that to appease the cranky gods, they had to bring an offering so he would not smite them, or that he would do what they wanted him to do. I would contend, however, and the Bible would contend, that the reason that they brought this offering is because it's human nature. It's human nature to bring offerings. Why? Because all of us, from Adam and Eve to now, know that we are not enough on our own. 
We're not enough on our own. And we do this in all of our relationships. We do this with our relationship with God and with other people. Or we do our relationship with ourselves so we can look at ourselves in, in the mirror and feel good. You see, we know that we're not enough. We know that we're not enough, so we bring offerings to cover up our lack. I'll give you an example. The midterm elections are coming up. And so pretty soon we're going to have all of these candidates that are going to say, vote for me, accept me, vote for me. Signs will be littered everywhere. Commercials will be everywhere. But when they run these commercials and they put up these signs and they give these speeches, they don't expose every corner of their lives. Now, do they? No, they don't. They say, hey, come, come and look at my record. Look at my experience. Look at my endorsements. Look at my credentials. Look at my plan. Look at my promises. Why do they do this? One of the reasons is because candidates know that you will never vote for them if you know everything about them, right? If you know what they're really like behind closed doors, if you know how they really talk, if you know how they really think, if you know how they really act when no one is looking, if you knew everything about them, you wouldn't vote for nobody. So they don't just come as they are, they come with these offerings and say, accept me, vote for me. And as easy, easy, easy as it is for us to say, well, those are, yes, those are politicians. Every single one of us do the same exact thing. They're just an illustration for what we're all like. I mean, this is how we get accepted into any circle. It's how we get a date. It's, it's how we get into a school, how we get into a job, how we get into uh, relationships. We never go in just as we are. We put in effort because we want people to see the best of us, the things that we want them to see. We cover up the ugly parts. And we all have lots of ugly parts, don't we, church? Because we want to be accepted. And we're afraid if they see the ugly, we'll never be accepted. I mean, think about it. When you, some of you are married, some of you are single. But either way, you can remember back to when you would go on dates, right? And, and, you would, and you would pick a certain outfit. This is more of a girl thing than a guy thing because guys often don't think about what they're wearing um, until we get married and we have a wife to tell us what looks good and doesn't. But, you know, ladies, you know, you know and, and sometimes men, uh, you, you get in front of the mirror and you have this outfit that you purchased to make you look a certain way and you'll find that it doesn't make you look that way anymore. And so you feel like this franticness in you. Because this mirror, because this, when you look in the mirror, this outfit doesn't hide what you wanted it to hide anymore, right? It shows the parts of who you really are that you don't want people to see. Oh man, this, this, this outfit makes me, look me, it makes me look as skinny as I, I am, or makes me look as fat as I am. And so we rip it off and we throw it away. Why? Because we feel a lack in our bodies. Or, or like when we went to school, you guys will all remember this, when you went to school, some of you in school now, you made an offering to the cool kids or the kids that you wanted to be like, what do you start doing? You start dressing like them. If you went to school in the early 90s like I did in high school, you wore bomber jackets, those over puffy, ridiculous looking jackets, but you wore them 
because you wanted to be accepted. Or when you bought shoes, you couldn't have the generic shoes. You had to wear the Jordans. Girl, girls, you did this as well. And so you, you, you make these concessions so that you will be accepted. Look at social media. Why do we have filter after filter? Because we want to look better than we think we look. We want to make this offering so we get likes. Some of you, why do you work so hard? You literally are killing yourself the way that you work. Because it's your offering. It's how you look in the mirror and you say, I'm acceptable because I, I work so hard. It's how you can prove your worth to other people. Even though you're killing yourself and ruining your family. Some of you, you have to help everybody. You literally have no ability to say no to anyone. You will never disappoint anyone, no matter what the cost. And because of this, you're often taken advantage of. Why? Because it's your offering. It's the only way that you feel acceptable, accepted. It's the way if I, if I serve everybody and do what they want, they'll, they'll like me. I'll feel needed. I'll feel worth something. Some of you are the opposite. You'll never let anybody inside. You will never trust anybody. You will never commit to anything. You will not let people get close because you only feel accepted when nobody knows you, when nobody sees what's really going on. Some of you, you, you feel devastated. If you're single, you feel devastated if, if you don't have a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or if you're not married. Some of you, if you gain a pound, you feel devastated. Some of you, if you start losing your hair, you feel devastated. Anytime anything happens that takes away from that offering that you're trying to give. Why? Because in our human nature, we feel the lack. We feel like we're not enough. There's something inside us that tells us we are not enough. So we have to do extra to be accepted. Now, why is this? Why is this struggle that every single one of us in here carries? We talked about where this lack of feeling comes from. Go back to the, to the garden. Adam and Eve, before they disobeyed God. It says, and the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. What does that mean? They had nothing to hide. They had nothing to hide. They did not feel a lack, uh, a sense of lack. They had no need for an offering. They had no need to cover anything up. Why? Because they had a right relationship with God. Somebody recently asked me, they said, what do you think the world would be like if Adam and Eve never sinned? And I said, well, you'd be walking around butt naked and you'd have no problem with it. You wouldn't have a care in the world. And I'm not sure that's the answer that they were looking for. But it's the truth. This is how at peace Adam and Eve were. We're not at peace if we show too much leg or, you know, our, our, our arms are not defined enough. I mean, they were just, they didn't care. But the minute they disobeyed, what'd they do? They jumped in the bushes. They jumped right in the bushes Genesis 3, 7, it says, then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves 
loincloths. You see, because of sin, they felt this lack, they felt the sense of shame, so they felt the need to cover themselves up. And ever since this day, we have been born with this lack. This lack that we are not enough, that there's something not right with us, that there's something wrong with us. We'll call it bad childhoods. We'll call it mental disease. We'll we'll call it oppression. We'll give billions of names for it. But at the end of the day, the source is the same. It is our sin and separation from God. (coughs) So we bring offerings to God and to one another to cover up our shame, to cover up our lack, so that we feel like we're acceptable. The writer of Hebrews tells us where this continues to come from. He says in Hebrews 4, 13, he says, no creature is hidden from his sight, speaking of God, but all, all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. I contest that in our soul or contend in our souls that we all know, whether we admit it or not, that God sees us for who we are. He sees the ugly, he sees the lies, he sees the sin that we hide, we work so hard to hide from everybody else. And so there's always this feeling of condemnation, this lack before God and before others. And so for Cain and Abel, they knew this. And so they did what we all do. They, they didn't just go to God and say, Lord, here I am. Aren't you lucky? No, they brought an offering. They brought an offering. Say, Lord, will, will you accept me? This is how they were the same. This is how we are the same as them. But they were also different. They were all different, both different. And as we saw them bring this offering to God, remember that Cain was rejected, right? Abel was accepted. The question is, why was Abel's offering accepted? This is what we should want to know because this is the difference between being accepted and rejected by the Lord. (coughs) And we get a glimpse at the reasoning in Hebrews chapter 11, kind of the chapter of faith, they call it. The writer of Hebrews says, by faith, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts, his offering. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So Abel's offering was accepted because of his faith. Faith is one of the most important words in the Bible. The Bible tells us that we are saved by faith. We are justified by faith. We are adopted by faith. We are sanctified by faith. There cannot, there's very few more critical words in the Bible than faith. What is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. And the conviction of things not, what church? Not seen. 
To put this in plain words, my plain words, faith is believing in God and trusting in what he says to the point that it changes your perspective and directs your action. I'm going to say it again. Faith is believing in God, trusting in what he says to the point that it changes your perspective. It changes how you see things and it directs your actions, your words. And he goes on later, a few verses later, and he says, in fact, about faith, he says, without faith, it is impossible to please him, speaking of God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he will reward those who seek him. Right here, you see the difference between Cain and Abel. It was faith. It was faith. I mean, the writer of Hebrews, he says right here, you cannot please God without what church? Faith. God is pleased when we believe that he exists and that we believe that his way is better. I mean, think back to Adam and Eve. God said, look, there's this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't want you to eat from it, right? Not good for you, either permanently or for not right now, don't touch it, not good. Okay, this is what's best for you. But at the end of the day, Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. They did not believe in God's ultimate goodness because God said, don't eat, because that's what's best for you, and they chose to eat. And ever since that day and that moment, their relationship with God became tainted by sin. They did not put their faith in God. But Abel, he serves as an example to us. Now, he wasn't a Christian because Christ wasn't born yet, but he is an example to all people who would call themselves Christians. And let me show you what this example of faith, what this attitude of faith looks like. Remember when I, I said Adam and Eve disobeyed God, what'd they do? They jumped in the bushes, right? Hopefully not poison ivy. They just, you know, jumped in some bushes and then they made themselves some clothes out of leaves and sewed them together, which I have no idea how they did it, but they did it, all right? Okay? They covered themselves when they sinned, their shame and their guilt. But what did God eventually do for them? You remember? What did he eventually do for them? 321, it says, God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Got out his sewing machine, went to work. He stepped in and he made them better coverings. Now, I think it's safe to assume God would not have made them better coverings if the coverings that they made were su sufficient. He made them better coverings. And this is what it means to come to God in faith. Coming to God in faith, hear me now, hear this. It's realizing that there's no offering big enough to cover yourself. There's no offering big enough that you can provide that covers your sin, that covers your shame, that covers your lack. Faith in God means believing that he is the only one who can cover us. He is the only one who can make up for our lack. 
He's the only one who can, who can cover our shame and our guilt. He's the only one who can make wrong things right. In fact, this is most, one of the most powerful verses in the Bible in, in Isaiah 61. And, and, and the prophet Isaiah, he gives us this picture of God doing this. Let me see if I can find it here. He says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has what he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with robes of righteousness. He has, he's done, he, 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 not I, but he. And there's many places in the Bible that talk about this. Salvation is not about what you can do. It's about you having faith in what God can do and has done and continues to do. Soren Kierkegaard, theologian, he said this, and it's one of the most crucial definitions for the whole of Christianity. He said that the opposite of sin is not virtue, it's not, it's not your righteousness, your goodness, it's faith. It's faith. So many people in this world who are seeking God would find freedom that they, have, they never knew existed if they would learn this one truth. That the opposite of sin is not your goodness, it's faith in God's But Cain's mistake, and the mistake too many of us make, is, is that his virtue was in himself. He says, look at me when he brings this offering. Look what I have brought. Look at my accomplishment. Look at my work. Look at what a good person I am. I mean, he had this expectation from God based on what he done. This is why he is angry and, and, and dejected. He's only angry, he can only be angry if he expected something from God. We're like Cain if we ever feel like God owes us something. Or when bad things happen to our life and we're like, how could God let this happen to me? Or why hasn't God blessed me? It's an attitude of Cain because it's like, I deserve it. Or I don't deserve it. The bad stuff. So this was the difference between Cain and Abel. Cain came to God with faith in himself. Abel came to God with faith in God. Cain believed that he could cover himself, that he had a good enough offering. Abel believed that only God could cover him. So the big question this morning one that we should all seek to ask that we may have never asked ourselves is, are we Cain or are we Abel? Because you're one or the other. Now, there are a couple ways to tell and answer this question. I pray that you would actually reflect as we walk through them. The first one is Genesis goes on and says that when God <coughs> rejected Cain's sacrifice, Cain was angry and his face fell. He was upset and dejected. And somebody who's like Cain, is somebody whose face falls no matter what's going on. No matter how religious they are, 
how much they, 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 they come to church, no, how many offerings they give, no, how, no matter how much good things they try to do, how much money they give to the church or to the poor, they never truly feel the joy of being accepted by God. They look around and other people smiling and waving their hands or, or just even standing there before the Lord and just connected and they, and they don't get it. They don't fully understand it. It seems a little foreign to them. They never fully feel God's acceptance. They never fully feel God's joy. They never fully feel God's peace that passes understanding. There's always this like distance, like this block between them and God that they can't seem to close. Because their faith has never fully been in God's sacrifice. They're never fully resting and God to cover them. Cain is someone who says, I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best. But they know that their, their offering, their sacrifice is never perfect. They know how much they get it wrong. And so there's always this doubt. Will God accept me? Did I do enough good this week? Was I right enough? Was I righteous enough? There's always this doubt. So there's never joy. That's Cain. Are you in that place? Or what about Abel? Do you come here this morning as a humble sinner? Do you come here this morning knowing you you don't have anything to give? Because that's, that's what a Christian is. It's, it's someone who goes to God and admits who they are. You don't try to cover up your sin, right? You don't try to hide it. You don't even, like I said, you don't even come to God with a sacrament. You come, you come empty-handed. You walk in here empty-handed. And you're like, I got, I got nothing, God. Got nothing. I have nothing to make myself worthy in front of you. I got nothing. Abel is somebody who comes to God and says, man, God, my record was not perfect this week. I didn't do the things I should do. I did the things that I shouldn't have done. My, my faith was not perfect this week. But Lord, I stand before you because my offering is perfect. Who is that offering, church? Jesus. Hebrews 9 talks about how Jesus offered himself without blemish to God to purify our conscience from dead works so that we may serve the living God. I mean, this is why we opened up our service by singing, worthy is the king who conquered the grave. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, praise God, he is worthy. Because we know that our acceptance is because of Jesus. It's not about us. It is all about him. And this is what points to the big difference between those who walk in the path of Cain and those who walk in the path of Abel. It's not sins. It's not sins. That's not the difference because they both recognized their sin and they both came to God with their sin. Abel admits his sin. Cain admits his sin. The difference is, I want you to hear this. 
Abel's, people who walk in the path of Abel, hear me now, they don't just repent of their sin. They also repent of their righteousness. I'm going to say it again. They don't just repent of their sin. They also repent of their righteousness. Your sins is not what's keeping you from God. It's your righteousness. It's the things you think that you can do to be accepted by God, to earn his favor. Religious people, they all repent of their sins. I did wrong. Just like Christians. But only Christians repent of their righteousness. They come before God and they say, Lord, I have no merit. I have nothing. There's nothing I have that's worthy of you. I bring nothing. But I have joy and I have peace. And I stand in your presence because of your grace, because of your mercy, because of your love. As we read in Ephesians, though, I, I, I walked, I was dead in my sins and trespasses. I had no hope, but in verse 4, but God, but you, Lord, sent your son to die for me. He was the sacrifice I could never make. So I come to you empty-handed. One pastor, I can't remember his name, but he has the best accent in the world. Those of you will know him. Scottish guy, he says, if somebody ever asks you why you're saved, he goes, if you ever answer anything in the first person, you're getting it wrong. You say, because I believed, because I had faith, because I prayed a prayer. No, no, the only correct answer is the third person, because Jesus came, because Jesus died, because Jesus rose again. That's why somebody who can come in here that you know is full of is sinful and they make mistakes and they don't always get it right and can raise their hands to the Lord because they know they can't bring anything. They can't bring anything. But they also know that Jesus also brought everything. 2 Corinthians 5:21 For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of who? Of God. And there is just, and if you've experienced it, you know what I mean. When you believe this, when this is where your faith is, there is a joy, there is a peace, knowing that you will always be accepted. I didn't always know this. And so I didn't, when I come into church, I wouldn't always come full of joy. Sometimes it'd be based on how good I was that this week. But now I can say by the grace of God and the, his word and his spirit and people he's put in my life, every week I can walk in here with joy because of what I read in Hebrews 10 that says, because of Jesus, we can draw near with a true heart in the full assurance of faith. That means we can always draw near to God because it's not about us. It is about Christ. And when you are accepted and you understand that you are accepted, it changes Everything, everything it changes. When you feel absolutely accepted by God because of his son, it changes everything. You become less angry. Why? Because you know you're owed nothing. You're owed nothing. You don't have a right to anything. You become less envious because you don't see, you don't see anybody better. You don't see yourself better than anybody else. 
You become less jealous. You're, you're happy when God blesses other people with something that you may have wanted because you understand you don't deserve anything. And so everything that you have is by the grace of God and it's just gravy. It's just cake. And so you're happy for other people because your trust is in the Lord, knowing he might have something different for you. You love people better. You don't just love the people who is easy to love. You love the people who are hard to love. You love the people who have wronged you. You love the people who knew they wronged you because of the grace and love that God has shown to you. You come in here and you, and you stop seeing people as better than you. You stop thinking people can offer, bring a better offering to, you, offering to God so you think they're better than you. When you realize in the end, they have nothing that they can, they can bring to God. All they can bring is what God has given them. You can be wrong and be okay with it. You can have a lack of control and be okay with it. You can have people disagree with you, and you can be okay with it. Because you know your lack. You know your sin. And so you're not shocked or surprised when you get something wrong like it's never happened before. You have a peace when people decide to go a different direction to you because you could be wrong. There's this humility in your life. It doesn't steal your joy. You realize, man, except for the grace of God, there goes I. Do you hear me, church? This is why, even in the hardest situations, the roughest times, we can have what we read in Philippians 4. You can have the peace that passes all understanding. It changes everything. There is a freedom, and I don't even have the right words to describe it. There's, there's, no good, there's not good enough words out there. But for those of you who have experienced it, you know what I mean. Now, some, they're like, they might say, well, this just seems so pie in the sky. Like you could just say, Jesus loves me. And you just like go sit on the beach somewhere and you just relax and you wait for heaven to arrive to you. Uh-uh. No, that's, that's, not, that's not how it works. I want you to go uh, think about Abel. If you remember... When it talked about Cain's offering, he brought um, uh, vegetables and stuff because he was a farmer. And it says he brought some of. Abel was a shepherd, so he brought lamb. It says he brought the fattest portions. You know, that means he brought his best. He brought his best. And, and those whose faith are in Jesus, they bring the best. See, Cain's, they bring enough or do enough until they don't feel guilty anymore. They do just enough to relieve the guilt, and then they're done. And then they come back and do more when they feel guilty again. But Abel's, they're like, man, Jesus literally paid a debt I could never pay. Everything that he has is by his grace. And so if he asks me to give it away, I'm happy to give it away. These are the people who they will, they will give away their time. They will serve, they'll serve their neighbors, they'll serve in their church, they'll die, I'll give it away. They will give away their obedience. Oh, man, I believe God's way is best, that's the way that I'm gonna go. 
They'll give away their money in the church. And they'll give their money to the poor. They'll give their money to missionaries. And they'll go, this ain't mine anyway. Boom. They'll say, Lord, how much do you want me to give? They'll seek his faith. And they'll give. They'll give of their service. They'll give of their grace to people. They will just give, 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 give. Because they have the joy of what they receive. And they see it as their duty to take what God has given and to give it to others. Oh no, when you realize how much you've been given, that's when you become generous in joy. Not to be accepted, but because you have been accepted. When you realize God is the one who covers you, he is the only offering that changes everything. And so my prayer this morning for this is twofold. One, for those of you who have been Christians a long time and you know this joy, you know how easy it is for us to fall back into the old ways and start feeling like we need to bring offerings again. You know how easy it is. It's easy for you. It's easy for me. And so my prayer this morning is you will be reminded that the only offering that we could bring is the offering that we could not bring in Jesus Christ. And that will remind you that you can come before the Lord, that when you sin, you mess it up, you get it wrong, you don't run from the God, you don't stop reading your Bible, you don't stop praying, you don't stop coming to church, you run to your Father because you are accepted and he loves you. And that you will see in your life where am I not giving God my best? God, you've given me so much. You've given me so much, and I come and I praise your name, but I'm still not giving you the best of my life. And that we'll repent. We won't repent in sorrow and, 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 and defeat, but we'll repent in joy and peace, knowing that God has forgiven us, and we'll go start to give our best. And for those of you my other prayer, you grew up in church, you grew up with religion, but to you, God is still distant. He's still somebody that you're trying to be good enough for, that you're trying to bring offerings to. Oh, I pray. I pray with every ounce of me that today would be the day that your scales of your eyes are lifted. Today, you'll see that you're fighting a battle that you can never win. But it's a battle you don't even need to fight because Jesus has won it for you. And then you'll start to see him not just as God, as judge, but you'll start to see him as your savior. And because he's your savior, you're going to want to make him your king. That's my prayer. Which one are you, Cain or Abel? Let's pray.